Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. We're going to be talking about a lot of good stuff. A lot of great things that Jesus does for us on a day-to-day basis. But if you don't have an actual relationship with Jesus, it does not pertain to you. You're not promised these blessings. You're not promised this inheritance. And so if you find yourself today, anyone under the sound of my voice that does not have an actual relationship with Jesus, don't think that he has promised to do this for you. He's good and he's merciful and he helps a lot of us. He helped me before I actually had a relationship with him. But for you to actually see him as the good shepherd, he must first be Lord of your life. So that needs to be the preset of what we're talking about before we dive into all this good, great stuff that he does for us. It first has to start with you coming to him and denying yourself, taking up your cross daily and coming to him so he can fill you up. Not doing like, I'll incorporate Jesus, I'll live this way, but I also like doing this stuff. You've got to be all in. And when you're all in, these are the promises. But if you're not, you don't get them. So I just wanted to clarify that real quick. So Psalms 23 is where we're going to be at today. And though it's it's really small, it's only six verses, and we're basically going to be breaking it down line by line, the best that God allowed me to, to know how to relate it to you guys. And so it's something so small that we can honestly pray this over our lives. It could be something really easy that we could memorize and pray over us daily. If we want these blessings, we want that encouragement, we need that refreshment, it's something that we can pray over ourselves daily. And that's something that we need to get in the habit in is praying scripture over ourselves. Because sometimes that's better when you don't have the words to say or you don't really understand what you're going through. Just pray God's word over you that he would sustain you. So turn with me to the first and second verse of Psalms 23. And it's on the Sky Bible. That's amazing. I love technology. If you have your normal Bibles, let me know if you're there by saying amen. Amen? Okay, cool beans. All right, we're going to start. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. For all that come to him, Jesus provides. And through this whole psalm, it's interesting that we are described as sheep. And I've heard in the past, I've heard different people preach this, it's because sheep are just dumb. And we are dumb, and we need the Lord. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. It, it kind of was for me. I was pretty dumb. Like, it seemed like I made every wrong decision before I came to Christ, before I gave him my life. And I recognized then, in that moment, that I could not take care of myself spiritually. Like, a sheep just can't take care of himself without the shepherd there we honestly can't really take care of ourselves, all of our needs, without Jesus leading us and guiding us. And so with that, I had very little self-control. I, I didn't control my actions. I didn't control my tongue. I didn't control my habits. And so I was a lost sheep, you can say, right? And so I was not able to recognize who was there and who could guide me. And so when I gave my life to Jesus, it's like I talked about this, I think, last Sunday or the Sunday before that, that it's like I immediately had a conscious. Like, now I could hear God's voice. Now I could hear, this is wrong. You need to change in this area. I'm going to push you to grow this way. And it just gets stronger and stronger. Because Jesus says, as the good shepherd, his sheep know his voice. 
That's a great indicator if you're feeling convicted about certain things or whatever, and you're hearing you shouldn't do that. It's like, okay, God's got me. He's disciplined me. He's encouraging me. He's helping me. But other than the fact that, that we're dumb sometimes, like sheep, this psalm really focuses on our sheep-like nature being described as, as we're an object of property, not a wild animal. We're not meant to just be out in the wild and, and be doing life by ourselves. And we're bought with a price. And so this psalm focuses more on the discipleship qualities of the sheep than the actual animal. So please don't take it that I or God's word is trying to insult you by any way by calling you a smelly sheep, okay? None of you like that. You smell very nice, I hope, because <laughs> it's not that warm and you're not sweating that bad. I'm just playing. So we all, as a sheep, must recognize that he is helping us. And the beautiful thing about Jesus providing for us is that no matter where he leads you, he promises to take care of you. There is nowhere God won't lead you that he will not sustain you. That's something awesome to remember when you're up against terrible things or, or you're, you're struggling or whatever, like, God brought me here. He's going to get me through. He's going to help me in this situation. He's going to provide for my needs, whatever it is. But maybe in your current situation, you are wondering where God's provision actually is. Where is God in my life? I don't see him. Does anyone ever have those moments? Honestly, you're like, where is God? I don't see you, Lord. I don't, it's, I'm having a hard time trusting you. You tell me to trust you. You tell me to put you forward, but I'm having a really hard time. I don't see your provision. I don't see what's going on. And this can happen when you go through serious traumatic events in your life, whatever it is, that you can have those thoughts and that's okay. God can handle those thoughts. God can handle your questions. God wants you to seek him. What he doesn't want you to do is turn your back on him completely. Be like, I'm just done trusting you because I experienced this, so obviously you're not here in my life. That's the wrong move, and that's what God as the shepherd guides us into that instance where we don't do that. And so for this, the answer to this of where is God and where is the provision, I'm going to tread very carefully because I don't know what you've been through. I can't imagine some of you what you've been through. I'm not going to pretend to know all the answers by any means, okay? You've probably experienced things that I'll never experience or experienced it in such a tragic manner that I probably can't ever fully grasp, and I recognize that, so I'm going to tread carefully about the answer to this. But I want you to be reminded that this is God's word. This is not my opinion. So if you're offended by what I say, talk to the Lord, all right? Don't come after service. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what I've been like. I get it, man. I understand. But for God saying that he provides for us, and, and if your current situation doesn't look like it, he teaches us to learn to be content with what he has provided. That's the key, is remaining content. And if we look at Christians all around the world, especially in third world countries, that barely have food and running water, and their churches are growing. The underground churches in Asia, they're growing. They're under heavy persecution. They, they say they're a Christian out loud. The government takes them, snatches them up. They're persecuted. They're killed all over the world. And for these people that can do that and still proclaim Jesus as Lord and share the gospel and be a witness to other people, and they're completely content that they could die at any moment, what's our problem? Why aren't we content with what we have, with our first world problems that not only they deal with, but on a heavier scale, and they're still being a witness? 
they're still trusting Jesus. So it comes to that contentment that we can have. And so can we put ourselves in the mindset like Paul states in Philippians that we can be content with whatever we have in whatever situation we're in. Whether I have a lot or I don't have anything, I'm content, God. Thank you for what you've provided for me. Thank you for helping me in this moment. Even if I don't see it, I don't recognize it, I'm so thankful because I know you're still here. You promise to never leave me. You promise to never forsake me. So I know that you are here with me. And the secret behind this is remembering who is our shepherd. Who is our shepherd? And that's why reading the word is so important because you can learn these amazing examples from these heroes of faith all through the Bible. Like how they just trusted in God to provide. You look at Moses. When we went through Moses, and it's just in that moment, God told them that Israelites were going to be freed. And they thought they were freed. They traveled. They're singing. They're rejoicing. Yeah, Hosanna, this is awesome. And then, boom, now they're at the Red Sea. How are they going to cross the Red Sea? And not only that, now they have the entire Egyptian army and chariots chasing them. And in those moments, it, Moses knew God was going to provide. He couldn't see it. He didn't know what was going to happen, except he knew God was going to come through. Doesn't that sound illogical? You're facing a sea. Behind you is an army. Where are you going to go? I got to trust God. I got to trust God in this. Like Joshua with the walls of Jericho. God told them that these walls are going to fall. They will fall. I just need you to walk around and yell at them. What? Are you serious? You're going to provide that way? Is it always logical the way God provides in your situation? No. Anyone experience that? It makes no sense sometimes, but yet God still comes through. And these people, we can learn from that they trusted in God's provision. Even with David, when he was a young boy, he couldn't even put on the battle armor that Saul gave him. But he knew Goliath was going to fall because God was going to provide a way. And he trusted God so much in this moment that the Bible even records when Goliath started coming to him, he ran to meet him. This young boy that couldn't even put on this armor, he ran out to meet the giant. I know God's going to take you out. He's going to use me to do this and accomplish this. And so we have to recognize that, and that's why we in our word and studying and meditate on it, because if we can see where God did it then, we know he can do it today. I'm not being chased by an army, and I don't see a Red Sea in front of me. I'll be just fine. I don't have to go out and conquer a, a town with fortified walls and just yell at it. Thank the Lord. I don't know if my faith could handle it sometimes. I would definitely have to see an angel of God. I think that's sometimes in the Bible you see the angels there because otherwise I'm like, I don't think that makes sense. <laughs> I don't think I could do that. I honestly, I don't know if my faith could do that where I trusted God enough and it's something that I am constantly have to grow and mature in because sometimes what God calls us to do, it just doesn't make sense. It does not make sense, but we have to trust in his provision. And all these examples are where God's sheep trusted their shepherd. And so we have to get in the mindset where I don't know how you're going to do it, but you will provide what I need. Therefore, I am content. And what you don't already provide, obviously, I don't really need it. And that's where the contentment comes from. It's if you know exactly what I need, God, but I don't have it, then obviously I don't need it. So I will trust whatever you provided, no matter how small it seems, it must be enough because it's, that's all you gave me. I don't need more because you don't think I need more. I trust you as my God, as my shepherd, as my provider, that whatever I'm in, if it looks like 
a terrible situation. I don't think I have what it takes to go through. I know you're going to sustain me in those moments. And that's where that true contentment comes in. And maybe for some of us, God keeps that luxury away from us. You ever notice that? You could honestly, you could have more like, God, if you gave me a million dollars, I'd give it to missions or something else. But would you really? Would you really? Because if you're not faithful with the small, you won't be faithful with the big stuff. If you can't give your 10% of your paycheck now, God's not going to give you a million dollars and trust that you're going to give 10% of that. You're not going to do it. More money, more problems, right? You ever heard that? that expression. So that's why we have to be faithful with little stuff. Obviously, that when we have more luxury, we're more comfortable. We just talked about this last Sunday. When David got comfortable, when he wasn't where he should supposed to be, and he had a lot, he ended up getting relaxed in his relationship with God, ended up doing what he wanted. He chose to be Lord of his life in those moments. So maybe God keeps things from you so you stay trusting him as his shepherd, as your shepherd. God, I trust you. I trust you completely. And so we have to be careful not to get too comfortable and forget our place as obedient sheep. And if we continue with this, it talks about that he makes us lie down in green pastures. And for a lot of us, it's easy for us to get stressed out. Does anyone get stressed out or anxious really easily? Yeah? It happens, right? It's a reality. And so Jesus knows that. He knows sometimes that we need a break. We need to relax. And it can be so easy for us to just keep pushing and then we just forget to eat and to relax and and just to enjoy the view. Some of you guys are hard workers. You work hard and that means you don't stop. Very rarely do you stop. Sometimes you need to stop. In just those moments, you're lying down in the green pastures. Like, what can you do when you're lying down? You look at everything else. You're able, God allows you to rest so you can look at what he is accomplishing through you. Sometimes we need that to step back. Take a breath and see what God has done through your life. See who you've influenced. See who you've discipled. See who you've helped. And look at it and be thankful and be refreshed by that. Like, thank you for doing that. And a lot of us, though we know we need it, we don't like taking a breaks. And so I love that Jesus says he makes you lie down in green pastures. Sometimes some of you need to be forced because you just like to work, 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 work. And you just need to relax. Jesus like, stop for a second calm down. So be thankful that Jesus is like that for us. He teaches us to rest in his provision. And so there's something that happened when we were heading here and trying to raise funds because the Lord didn't rain down manna from heaven for us to be able to be here, right? Like we had to raise a budget and have people support us to be here like Matt and Stacy, any missionary, right? And so we thought, we knew God was going to provide, right? That wasn't the issue, but we wanted to be here faster, (laughs) We wanted to get here as soon as we could because you guys are our heart. You are the reason that we are here away from our family and friends because we care about you guys. We want to see you guys grow. We want to see you guys mature spiritually, not just you, but your families as a whole, all of you to grow together in Christ. And that's our heart is for the military to be able to have that. And just anyone in this area, everywhere we can be a part of, we want to see people advance in Christ and grow in their faith. So we were like, okay, Here's the deal, Lord. We're going to get there faster. So my wife had a genius idea because she's way more creative than I am, okay? And she's like, 
that was really popular at the time. You know the, the faux leather earrings that are shaped like a leaf or something? Ladies, you know what I'm talking about? Please say yes. Just say yes if you don't. All right. Yeah, yeah, those ones. Those ones. So anyways, they look like a leaf, and you curl them, and she's like, I'm going to make this. So we bought this faux leather stuff, and she hand cut all these earrings. And then we bought, like, the jewels to make them dangle, whatever you want to call them, all those utensils that you use in the ears. And so she made all these earrings, and we made so many. Don't laugh at me. I'm really trying to share a point here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You can go ahead and laugh. It makes you feel better. Um, but anyway, she made all these earrings, and we probably made hundreds. When I say we, I mean she and her mom, <laughs> because I did not do that. And uh, we ended up, we were like, okay, God, we're, the goal is to make all these earrings so that we can sell them. And whatever money we get, we're just going to put into our missions account so that we can get there faster. We weren't really trusting to rest in God's provision. We wanted to make it happen. And so it was funny. We would go to these farmer's markets. I know it's in Oklahoma. Maybe it's somewhere else. Like you have little shops out in the country or whatever set up. And people sell those. You have vendors there and everything else. Well, we went. We, we got the booth and everything else and set up. And, and we were like, all right, we're going to sell so many earrings. This is our plan because we want to raise this. And we sold nothing. <laughs> nothing. But I think like one or two, like, Ladies came out, oh, those are cute, I'll buy those. And, and it was funny because we, we got to share our hearts. We got to share Jesus with these people and share where God was calling us. And so when we would do that, when we would just tell them our heart for this ministry, tell them our heart for the church, they'd be like, oh, I'll donate to that. They didn't even take any ring. We made all this. We were like, we should have just set up with a jar and talked to people. Like, why did we do all this work? By we again, I mean Shay. She did a lot of work. <laughs> and so we had to learn to understand to rest in his provision. And now I say all that to say that sometimes that even though you feel like the more work you put in, the, the faster God's going to work, that is not always the case. Yes, he wants you to work, but we have to trust him to completely provide for us in all areas of our lives. Amen? And so that, then the next verse teaches us that he leads us beside the still waters. And the still waters represents the Holy Spirit. You have to constantly be in communion with the Holy Spirit. You have to drink him up, be filled up with him, be filled up with his peace, with his patience, with everything, so that you can reflect God more effectively, that you can look like Jesus to other people. Because you can't pour out of a vessel that's dry. It can't happen. It's got to be filled. For you to pour out into people's lives, to love on people, to do it, it can drain you if you're not filled up with the Holy Spirit. If you do it in your own might instead of God doing it through you, then you're not going to get very far. You have to be refreshed by him daily. And so since we're doing that, we're constantly on a journey onward towards perfection. We're not always just lying down and resting in God's provision. We have to work too. And that's why these verses are coupled. Because yes, he leads you, but you still need to drink. God's not going to do everything for you. He expects you to do your part. Right? You don't have to. If you had to force feed the sheep all the time and then force its head in the water, that sheep's pretty useless, right? We're on our journey with our Savior, and that means that we are supposed to constantly grow and develop and mature in all areas of our lives. The more you're filled up with God, the more you look like Him, the more you act like Him, the more you think like Him. But it starts by constantly drinking Him in, being in your Word, praying being closer to God. And as we're constantly being built up in our walk with Jesus, he promised to do more than just provide for us. Someone say amen. amen. That's awesome. That was a lot of you. Okay, so let's go to the next two verses, um, starting at verse 3 and verse 4. And it should be popped up there. It says, He restores my soul. 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We must all recognize and be reminded that Jesus guides. He guides us constantly. And it can be so easy for us to become so discouraged and feel so drained. And maybe this is where you're at or where you've been. You can relate. Where it's not that you want to turn your back on God, but you're just tired. Anyone ever get there? You're just exhausted. You're like, man, like more and more and more. It's like I never stop. And Jesus in those moments desires to restore our soul, to revitalize us, to make us well again. Through his spirit and his goodness, he builds us back up. Why? Because you represent God to all the nations around you. He needs you to be well because you are supposed to reflect him well. So he does everything and will build you up in any way you need to continue on the path that he has called you to do. And thank goodness that he is full of energy because I need energy sometimes. I think I drank like three cups of coffee this morning. Sometimes I need it, right? And maybe you two, any other crazy coffee drinkers? Yes? But anyway, so in those moments, we have to be restored. We have to be revitalized. And he knows what we're going through. When Jesus was on earth, he struggled, right? He was tempted. The Bible says he was tempted. He didn't sin, but he was tempted. He experienced weakness. He experienced brokenness. How would you feel if you spent three years with a group of guys investing in them, pouring out, eating your meals with them, hanging out with them, praying with them, teaching them, and then when you get snatched away, they run. They leave you. That's got to feel hurtful. Like your best friends that promised they'd never leave. Peter, Lord, I'll never leave you. I'll fight. I'll die for you. Gone. Gone. That's got to hurt. Jesus felt it. And because he felt it, he's no longer a man anymore. Thankfully, he ascended to heaven and he's rightfully restored to his throne. So he knows exactly what we're going through, what we experience, and how to deal with it, how to be filled up to be able to overcome all the sin, all the desires, and all the hurt that we feel. And that's awesome, because you were created for a purpose. We don't just walk around getting beat up and drained for nothing. Some of you need to realize that, that it's not that God just doesn't want you to walk around and be beat constantly. I just need to serve him. and so, No, that's not it. It's because of the task he lays before us that we can become overwhelmed and even physically sick. Like, it's not an easy road being a Christian. I don't understand the preachers and, and, and other ministers of the gospel that say, you give your heart to Jesus and everything gets great. No, it doesn't. doesn't. It gets harder because now you have standard to live by. You're trying to, to be Jesus to other people, and you're trying to explain things to people that maybe you don't completely understand yet. And so you're constantly in that community with Jesus and have to depend on him for everything. The longer you're a Christian, the more you realize you can't take a step. You can't even go to Walmart without the Holy Spirit, right? In the States, for real, it gets crazy. And you're like, man, I need you, Jesus, in this moment, because he just hit my buggy, and that was pretty messed up. That's all I'm saying. Or he dented my car. Are you serious? Maybe it's not a big deal in Germany because there's a lot of dents and dings because of small parking lots. But anyways, that's the reality. We need Jesus because it's not easy. And we can trust him not only for spiritual and emotional healing, but for physical healing as well. 
He does allow us to be healed. If you go through the Gospels, you see constantly, time and time again, where Jesus healed all kinds of issues, all kinds of sicknesses, all kinds of diseases. And the reality is, if the Jesus we believe in, that we give our life to, if we really believe that that's the same Jesus we read about, then why don't we trust him to do that through us? Do we have enough faith to actually believe it? Or maybe you find yourself, you're physically sick, or you have issues or whatever, and you think, man, I'm not made whole, so God's not going to use me to make someone else whole. Is that biblical? Or can God still use you if you're not completely whole? Can you, if you're dealing, if you're struggling with cancer or whatever, can you pray for someone's broken leg and can be healed? Do we believe that? Really? Why don't you pray for more people out in public then? You see someone with a cask or something, do we have enough faith to actually go up to him and pray? Jesus is going to heal you right now in this moment. In this moment, not right now and he's going to restore it, but right now he can do it because that's the Jesus I believe in. I've seen it. It can happen. We just have to have the faith. And it's scary. It's scary sometimes to go out on the limb because you're like, oh, where does my faith actually stand? But can you imagine, even if you prayed for someone a hundred times or different people a hundred different times and nothing happened, can you imagine that one time it actually did happen? Can you imagine seeing the miracle before your eyes right then and there? Would that blow your perspective out of the water? Would that be amazing? That would, that would, man, I'm praying 500 more times. I just want to see that again. I want God to use me. And so I'm saying this because you don't have to be completely well for God to still use you. And he wants to see his children succeed. He wants to see you be used by him. And he leads us through paths of righteousness because he is perfect. He wants you to represent him well. And the crazy thing about our God is he chooses to magnify his name among all people through the lives of his children. Through us, this perfect and holy God chooses to use his sheep, these sinful, messed up, imperfect people, dumb a lot of times, is a creation that he uses to reveal his perfect, loving, and blameless nature. He wants you to succeed. And he, God could reveal himself directly to every single person, just like he did Paul, if he wanted to. He could choose that. But he doesn't because he wants you to do it. He wants you to trust him enough and believe in him enough that you will go out and advance the kingdom. That you would be Jesus to someone. That you can do something for God. You can do something for other people. You can help other people. You can pray for other people. He wants to see you live up to the purpose he has intended for you. But there's real danger in this. And it seems great going out like, I'm praying for everyone. And you see healing all the time. But... The more you do for God, oftentimes, the more you get attacked. And Jesus said that. He says, I send you out as sheep among wolves. But as Jesus was led like a lamb to the slaughter, are we above him in this? He promises we're going to face hard times. He promises we're going to be attacked. And it's not an easy thought to grasp. It's not easy to remember that and focus on that but the beauty in that is that he is there with us when we face trouble and persecution from the world and because this we won't be done with this world until we've accomplished what he has called us to accomplish like paul he knew he knew 
when God told him, like, you're not going to die. You're going to go through this. I'm protecting you. He went boldly. I know that I still have more to do. I know that there is more that God has called me to do, so I'm not going to fear all this other stuff. I'm not afraid of the wolves. I'm fine because God is going to protect me and sustain me. And that's the mindset that we need to put ourselves in. He has a plan, so we must trust him in it. And it's interesting that the psalmist writes a little further that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, I used to be scared of the dark when I was a kid. I didn't walk through the dark. Anybody ever afraid of the dark as a kid? Did you walk through the dark? What'd you do? Ran. Nope. (laughs) Not me. I don't want to be here. I'm scared. But in this, the psalm says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, through the darkness, through everything that the devil throws at us, not only do we not run from it, but we don't have to frantically run through it. With God there as our shepherd, we don't have to go through those moments with uncertainty. We have the ability to simply walk. And to walk indicates that you know your road, you know where you're going, you trust it, and you know where it leads to. And therefore, you're perfectly calm and composed. Even though I walk through the valley, I'm good. Everything seems crazy, I'm good. I'm perfectly fine. I trust you, Lord. I know where I'm going. I know where you've called me to do. And I know you're right there with me. What do I need to worry about? Why do I need to fear? How can a Christian live in the world that, that where his culture and everything is completely against who he believes in, his beliefs, his character, and everything, and he's perfectly calm? How do we do that? What's the secret? We trust that Jesus is with us. And if you notice, we walk through the shadow of death, not actual death. It's just a shadow because Jesus already beat death in the grave for us. We no longer have to fear that. That's our reality as Christians. We know when we die, we're not dead and and gone forever or spending an eternity in hell. We're going to be with Jesus. Where everything's perfect, where everything's awesome, where all our current struggles and God, where are you at? We get to be in a place where we never have to question that again. We never have to worry about where our paycheck's coming from, if our kids are going to be okay, if we're going to be okay, if we can eat, whatever it is. We can trust that, man, this is awesome. That's our future. We don't have to fear death anymore. And whatever the world chooses to throw at us, we can just smile and rest in his love and guidance. They're throwing shadows at you. You scared? Does a shadow stop you from walking? Does it? You see a big shadow? It could be something scary like a dragon or something or whatever if you're scared of dragons. Is that shadow going to stop you from continuing on your path? Are you going to allow a shadow to physically stop you? No. The shadow of a dog growling and biking, uh, uh, biting, barking and growling, you know what I mean, biting at you, that shadow, can it actually bite you? That shadow that's on the ground, can it bite and hurt you? No, because it's a shadow. Can a shadow of a sword actually cut you? No, because it's a shadow. That's our reality. All these things that we worry about are just shadows. They are not our reality anymore. Whatever the devil throws at us, there's nothing more than shadow puppets compared to our eternal reality. That's a promise from God. It's like a little kid, and and sometimes as a little kid, and maybe earlier on in your faith, where you're just starting out, where you see a shadow of something growling and making noises or something, but until the dad reminds you, hey, that's just a hand over here. And it's just the light shining off that, and it can't really hurt you. Now the kid, when he sees it, laughs. Ha ha, I know what it actually is. 
And so we can look at the things that the devil throws at us and just laugh and be like, I know you're really under control, that you can't do anything unless God allows you to do it. And I trust God's going to put me through this. So I'm not going to fear this. I'm not going to fear whatever trouble. I'm not going to fear the shadows of this life because God, you are in charge of all the schemes. You're in charge of everything. You read in, in Job when the devil himself came up to God. He had to ask, can, can I mess with Job? Can I plague him a little bit? He won't trust you. God's like, sure. He allows things to happen just to show the devil that they're mine. They're not going to obey you. They trust me. Do you trust God that way? That when that stuff comes at you and everything else, and it seems like the world's crumbling around you, that you trust God and you don't stop following him because things look scary. Because ultimately God is allowing that to happen for a reason. And it's not our job to always know. We don't always know why God does these things. Amen? And through our journey, though, we don't just face shadows of darkness sometimes. There are times when we're attacked and we actually feel it. I didn't feel like a shadow. That hurt. You go through stuff that actually hits you hard. And though the reality is, yeah, that's a shadow, and I know that my eternity is set, but it goes back to those moments. But today, it hurts. And what I'm going through is not fun, and it's not easy. And thankfully, our shepherd carries a rod and staff with him. Jesus' rod is there to act as a club towards wolves that are seeking to completely devour us. When it's too much, Jesus knows. Smacks them away. Some things you cannot handle on your own, and Jesus knows that. You're not ready for that situation, or that would be too much that would crush you, and he just goes in and takes it away completely. Wipes it out. Fights your battle for you. Because you would never imagine a sheep being able to take on a wolf. Would you, would you think that? You think a sheep can beat a wolf? You put a sheep and a hungry wolf in an octagon ring, who's going to win? Right? But that's not our reality. It's not just us among wolves. Jesus is right there with us. And if there's something too big, there's something too nasty, he smacks it away. He fights on our behalf. The things that try to destroy us, the things that try to humiliate us, he is the champion that fights for us. We are not alone. And so it's interesting to see that the sheep that stay close to their master are easily protected and defended. You have to stay in close relationship with Jesus. If you're wandering too far off, that rod's only so long sometimes, right? If you deliberately walk away from Jesus, if you're deliberately not trusting him and not seeking him out for things, then maybe you're exposed to schemes that you shouldn't be. You have to stay close to Jesus. We have to do what he says. But then the reality sets in, are we always obedient? Do you always do and say what Jesus tells you to do? I don't. Honestly, there are moments I struggle, I fail completely. And hopefully that's not a shocker to anybody. I'm not perfect by any means, and I don't think you are too. So let's cut the junk, right? Let's be real with each other. There are times when we don't listen to Jesus, and therefore the same rod that Jesus uses to fight off the wolves is the same rod he uses to discipline us. Sometimes we need to get hit and reminded that Jesus is there to guide us. We're wandering too far off. We're making bad decisions. We're living in sin. He is going to make you feel it. He's going to push you to trust him continually. Amen? And so there's sometimes, though, that that maybe you find yourself too far off and, and you've, you've traveled too far, you've dug yourself a hole too deep for you to get out of. 
in those moments, you know, yeah, I know, Jesus, you have this rod, but honestly, if you're stuck in a pit and you can't get out, does someone come down there with a rod and, ah, I told you not to do this, I told you not to get in there, that's not our Jesus, right? Because you can look at someone that does that and be like, I already know I messed up, I'm here, I don't need discipline right now, I need help, I need help out of this situation, I need help, I need mercy, I need you, Jesus, and that's why he has the staff as well. Staff represents that you can't get too far from God, that he can't rescue you out of your problems. And let that be a reminder to your loved ones that you know that are far from God, that there's nowhere they can go that Jesus cannot reach them. There's nowhere that anyone could go that Jesus can't reach them and help them and bless them and bring them into a close relationship with him. So the rod which represents God's power is coupled with the staff that represents God's grace. And it's only by his power and grace that we can be completely comforted in all situations. It's the power and the grace coming together that leads us and guide us. And whatever what comes at us or whatever we throw ourselves into, Jesus is faithful to make sure we are rescued and cared for. That's awesome. Does that excite anybody else? Yes? All right, good. Um, but that's not all that Jesus does for us. If we turn to the next two verses... And I'll close with these last two verses. Verse 5 and 6 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We can trust that Jesus loves and protects us. And it's not enough for God that he leads us through calamity, through tragedies, through persecution, and everything the devil throws at us, but he goes a step further. In front of all of our enemies, in front of all the chaos, in front of all the problems, he prepares a feast for us. In the middle of all that. Is that ridiculous? Does that sound logical? You're going to have a nice banquet meal in front of all your issues? That's what he's promising. And that doesn't make sense to us. We can just sit down and just enjoy God's goodness and his blessings as the enemy stands around trying to destroy us. Nothing is hurried. There's no confusion. There's no disturbance. The enemy's at the door. And yet God prepares a table and the Christian sits down and eats as if everything were in perfect peace. Man, doesn't that sound awesome? Your world could be crumbling, and you're at perfect peace. It's that, it's that peace that the, the, the Bible talks about, the peace that surpasses all understanding. It does not make sense why you are so calm. It is the Holy Spirit in those moments that you can just rest. And like, man, I know that this doesn't look good. He wants to kill me. They want to kill me. The situation wants to kill me. But I can just sit and rest and enjoy a meal with God. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about my enemies. I'm not worried about my problems or my situation. Right now in this moment, it's me and you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for giving me that peace. We can have that. He promises that to us. And for me, I'm reminded of at my grandma's house when I was a kid. We would all have these big dinners. Anybody else have those big dinners with their grandma? Yes? One person, two, three? Okay, awesome. You have grandmas. That's fantastic. I'm glad. I was worried for a second. Y'all looked at me a little crazy. But anyway, so our families would come together, and we'd have these big meals. And I don't know about your family, but my family argues with each other all the time. All the time they argue, constantly at each other's throats or whatever. But in those moments where we would sit down and have a meal at grandma's, it was nice. 
It was perfect, even. I remember him to this day. It was so peaceful. No one was arguing. We're just chilling out. We're eating. We're laughing. We're playing games. And it's those picture-perfect moments that we have. That, for me, honestly, now they're just memories. I've lost so many different family members that I won't get that again. We don't have that. But in Jesus, he promises that we can have those moments consistently. That we can sit down in his presence and in his goodness and be engulfed by him consistently. It doesn't have to end when you're in Jesus. It doesn't have to end. With Jesus, the dinners never stop. And no matter the pain or struggle, he gives us the ability to have those picture-perfect moments with him continually. And there have been moments where I've just struggled and I was so anxious or stressed out or beaten up that, that I'm like, God, I need you. And I go to God and I praise him and I'm, I'm praying to him and it's just like, phew, everything just vanquishes. Everything's just gone. Has anyone else experienced that in your life where it just made no sense but now all your issues, everything that you're worried about just seems dumb. It seems so little. Why was I tripping about that? That's ridiculous. That, that shouldn't affect me this bad. And Jesus is like, you just need to calm. Sit down, eat something, man. You hungry. <laughs> Seen those Snickers commercials where people, like, they're doing all these crazy things like, hey, you need to eat Snickers, man. Sometimes for us, you just need to go pray. You need some Jesus right now because you're tripping. You need to be having a meal with Jesus relax and spend some time with him and he brings clarity through his protection and his love and as we follow him like I said it does get hard he knows that and Jesus knows what he's asking of you so in the middle of the distress in the middle of the chaos he shuts everything out just for you so that you can rest in his love that's our God. He cares about you. He's not just going to use you and beat you up and push you and push you and push you and challenge you. He knows when you need to rest. And he knows when you need to eat. And he's going to provide for you. He's going to protect you. He's going to love you. Amen? Amen? And honestly, we can barely fathom God's authority. Like I said before, nothing happens that, that God doesn't ordain to happen. What you're going through, what you've been through, happened because God allowed it. God allowed it to happen. Trust in him through it. Let that pain build you up and, and make you grow. And though we experience so much, he knows when it can be too much. And so that's why it continues that he fills up our cups. Sometimes we're thirsty, we're struggling. God's like, here, drink this. Calm down. Drink me up. Be in my word. Be in close relationship with my spirit. And when we drink up and we think the cup's done, guess what? He fills it up again. Go ahead. Have some more. You need some more blessings. I'll give you more blessings. I won't just give you what you need to get through. I will give you more than what you need. That's our God. Our cup runs over. We have to recognize that. that he's a God that loves us, that constantly provides for us. He's not just pushing us and, and making us just slaves. Right? We're not just God's slaves. We're his children. He cares about us. He wants to see us succeed. And God loves more than any parent any parent, and desires the best for his children. Those of you that have kids, you may love your kids a lot. Hopefully, okay? Just saying, hopefully you do. But God loves you more and those kids more than you could ever imagine, that you could ever grasp. That's amazing. God wants the best for you. And sometimes our love can be imperfect for other people or even our families. It's something that I pray about in my relationship with Shay. I'm like, God, love Shay through me. Because my love is not enough. 
It's got to be God. It's got to be God's love. We have to constantly be filled up by him. We have to drink in his blessings. We have to drink his goodness because then that's when we can be truly effective. That's when we can truly walk in the fact that we are sons and daughters of him, not just servants, but I am adopted into the royal kingdom. I know where I'm going, and I can help anybody that's around me. Amen? So we can rest in his abundance. So even when the world seems crazy and sometimes the situations get the best of us, he allows that goodness and mercy be with us always. And that's kind of crazy to hear that goodness and mercy can be with you always because do you always feel it? Do you always feel God's goodness and mercy? You got the warm and fuzzies feeling? No, I don't. But it's still there. It doesn't mean God stopped caring about you. There's all kinds of reasons why you don't necessarily feel it all the time. And we can't always understand him, but that doesn't mean he isn't taking care of us. At the end of the day, guess what? You're still breathing. God still has a purpose for your life. And for David, who wrote this psalm, he writes that part with so much assurance. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He knew it. He knew it. And it's easy to think that maybe he wrote this psalm way back when, when he was getting chased by Saul, and then he ended up getting the kingdom, and God set him above all his enemies. And, or maybe he wrote it back in the day where his, his brothers were just rude to him because they were not the nicest brothers in the world. And he knew, man, I know, God, you are good, and you are merciful, and you are going to help me. And that could be it. That could be it that he knew. But I think he had a deeper revelation of God's goodness and mercy. Because we just talked about what happened with him in Bathsheba last week. He sinned against God. He broke half of the commandments, completely turned his back on God and did what he wanted, slept with a woman, had her man killed. Like, that's some ridiculous, intense stuff. And yet, God forgave him. And God was still good to him and still merciful. So I think that's where David is coming from. Surely your goodness and mercy, because guess what? It doesn't always depend on me. I know I will mess up. I know I have failed. I know I have fallen short. But you are still good. You are still good to me. You still love me. You still protect me. You don't stop just because I fail you. And God knows that you're going to fail. We all make mistakes. We all fall off the path. But that doesn't mean that he stops being good to us. He blesses us and forgives us more than we could ever deserve. Don't walk in that just guilty conscious all the time. Like, you'll never get anywhere. God's still going to be good to you. Yes, we talked about there's consequences in those moments, but trust overall that God has forgiven you. He's forgot about it. He's wiped your slate clean. Move on. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.